And I started to tell myself that if I was thinner, if I was smaller, I would be prettier. And if I was prettier or more beautiful, I would be happier. You know, at the age of definitely 11 or 12, I had a book on calories and I became so obsessed with it obsessed with how I could stop eating, how I could avoid food, just how I could control my body and how it looked. It started at that age and it just didn't stop. I was 21, you know, I, I had a fight with my sister who took very much like a tough love approach. My mum said to me that she was really worried about me. I said, I'm worried about myself now because I, I don't know what to do. She said, well, how about we try and find someone who does know what to do? Welcome to Let's Listen with Kieran McBreen. My name's Andrew Ward and I'm here with Kieran today. How are you, Kieran? I'm great, Andrew. Thank you. And on today's show, we've got Linda Bonner. Now, this is a this is a really interesting story that she has. Linda lives in New York, but she talks about her her lifelong struggle really with eating disorders going back to her childhood in Ireland. Yeah, Linda um, really expresses her, her challenges that she, she experienced growing up in school in Ireland. Um, I was lucky enough to meet Linda a couple of years ago, just just before she actually had moved to New York. She was here in Dubai. Linda's story is so powerful. So for any young young girls and young boys out there mm. having any eating disorders and having any any concerns over their bodies, it's a wonderful episode. It's so powerful because she really takes us on a journey, Andrew. And that's a really important point, isn't it? That eating disorders are not gender specific, are they? Absolutely not, you know, and I have so many clients who, who come on for various reasons, but, you know, eventually, you know, deep down into the conversation, we touch on underbody and, and you know, we, we highlight lots of concerns that, that young people and adults do have over their bodies. And, and the reality is it, you know, it doesn't change as we get older. You know, we change as we get older. We I don't want to use the word give up, but you get to an age where you feel you can't fight this anymore. This is my body. This is mm. what I have been given. So I need to work with it, not against it. And that's the realization, Andrew, that comes with age. But we have to be, be fair on, you know, we're looking at Linda when she was a teenager. You know, as a teenager, it, it, it's not as easy to have that mindset, that perspective on your body when you're so unhappy. Absolutely not. So let's get straight into it. This is Linda Bonner. Linda, thank you so much for coming tonight to our show. How are you? Uh, Kieran, it is so lovely to be here with you. I love this. I'm almost forgetting that I'm on a podcast with you. We're just going to have this fantastic chat. And I, I love seeing you anyways, and I love hearing your voice. So this is brilliant. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got Linda Bonner here uh, from Linda Bonner Life Coaching, who is a coach and an author. Uh, author of two books, Linda. Number one, Press Play, where you talk to teenagers. And number two, Just three things both fantastic books and we'll, we'll get into them in more detail Linda what what would be the key message that you want to get across to our listeners today and you know what Kieran, when you asked me this you know we spoke about the podcast first and 
it just it, this question reminds me of so many things because you know me I love talking about things that are so close to my heart and things that are real and I try and be as raw and authentic authentic even as I possibly can and it still doesn't get easier right but everywhere I've looked this topic keeps coming up for me it's like I cannot avoid it and that topic is body compassion and I know some people will sit here listening to this now and think, I don't even know what body compassion is. And it's great if you don't. I love if you don't actually know what it is, because I certainly had no idea what it was until I came across the, the topic a couple of months ago. And I'm doing, I'm doing a diploma in positive psychology. It was one of these things that I started at the start of COVID. And I thought, I'll have this done in a couple of months. No problem at all. Three years in. I'm three years in, Kieran, and I'm still going at it. But I love it. And it's a topic, so body compassion, self-compassion and body compassion are topics that have continually come up for me. And I'm moving into the final stages of this diploma. And, you know, I'm having this conversation with my tutor and she says to me, you know, Linda, have you thought of your final project piece? And I'm like, oh, you know, not really sure. I've been doing a lot of work around female athletes and motivation and flow in running. And I've also been doing this self-compassion and body compassion piece. And she says to me, why don't you combine them? And immediately I lean back from that, right? Because I'm thinking it's too much. It's too raw. It's too hard. And here I am, right? <laughs> I can't say no to it. Just can't. Fantastic. So, so Linda, where does this, you say body compassion, mm. where does this all come from? Gosh, you're bringing out the big guns straight away, aren't you? It's, and I have no tissues either. You know, I'm probably going to cry. And that's okay. It's okay if I do. The whole body compassion piece for me, Kiran, comes from self-compassion, we'll say, is an umbrella topic, right? And then body compassion sits under that and how specifically kind we are to our bodies, how we treat our bodies. So self-compassion is about, you know, again, the umbrella topic in our minds and everything else and, and how kind we are to ourselves. Body compassion is specifically around our physical selves. And you know me and you know the, the history that I have with in terms of my body, in terms of building that relationship with my body and learning to love my body. And I would be, uh, you know, I'm a work in progress with this. I'll never be the one to say I have this completely under control. I know absolutely everything about it. I love myself 110% every day. I don't. And the thing about it is that being a woman, and I'm not saying that men do not battle these, these challenges at all, because I know that they certainly do. Being a woman, being a woman in this day and age, being a female runner, has also, it, this has really brought this topic of body compassion to the forefront for me as well. You know, in terms of the harder I train, am I supposed to be looking leaner? Am I supposed to be able to move faster? The more I train, surely I should be getting quicker and I should be able to knock these marathon minutes off my time every time. And, and if I don't, then what does that say about me as a person? What does it say about me as a woman? What does it say about me as a female athlete? And and then I have the whole coaching component come into that as well. You know, lead from what I want to practice, what I preach, basically. How kind am I to myself? Do I give myself a break? And honestly, I don't all the time. So I'm just trying to be authentic in this space as well. And that's hard. 
It is hard, yeah. And in your books, Linda, you do you do express yourself openly about your past and and your your eating habits. You know, are you comfortable to to tell our audience what were your eating habits and, and when did you start noticing that you know there was something up? Oh gosh, yeah. And and this is um, I am a smart person, right? I know that, and I know as a young person, as a child, even I was very academically smart as well. And the reason I say that is because though, even though I had that awareness, I, I made some not smart decisions around food. Now I spent a lot of time, we're talking growing up in the eighties in Ireland. Okay. So I'm what I'm, I'm 41 now. And I grew up at a time where, okay, we didn't have social media. We had so many other types of media around this Kieran, And you know, as well as I do, how impactful that was, right? And I'm talking from reading magazines that are aimed at both young girls and young people generally, okay? And around, you know, a lot of these covers, a lot of these magazine covers were, you know, get your bikini body ready, how to look good, you know, and what you want to have a boyfriend at the time and all of this. I grew up absolutely loving Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And I remember the first time I saw Tyra Banks on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and then remember reading about her being this supermodel. And I thought, my gosh, this woman is gorgeous. How can I look more like these girls that I'm looking at all the time in magazines and music videos and movies and, and programs? And I started to tell myself the story very early on that if I was thinner, if I was smaller, I would be prettier. And if I was prettier or more beautiful, I would be happier. And so, you know, at the age of definitely 11 or 12, and, you know, I didn't have Google. I sound like I'm talking from the Stone Age. You know, it's not, but it's these are little things, right? I didn't have Google, but I had I had a book on calories, Kieran. Can you imagine it? As a 12-year-old girl, I had a book on calories that gave you the calorie content of everything that I bought in a shop, you know, the same day that I was probably buying my magazine about, you know, how to get my bikini body and everything else. And I became so obsessed with it and obsessed with how I could how I could stop eating, how I could avoid food, how I could just how I could control my body and how it looked. And it became an absolute obsession. And it started at that age and it just didn't stop. And the sad thing was then I got very good at it. Like I do with a lot of things that I put my heart and soul into. I put my heart and soul into, into controlling my body and doing my best to make sure that I, I didn't get bigger. And that's interesting because, you know, as young people, when we go through puberty and our body changes anyways, that's even harder, right? How do I stop this? And you've got people telling you, oh, you know, you're just becoming a young woman. It's like, well, I don't want to become, I don't want to change. I have to control this and I have to be considered pretty and beautiful because that's what I'm told I have to be. Thank you so much, Linda, for sharing that. And I really do appreciate that it's not an easy topic to discuss. So thank you. So, so thank you. Linda, what kind of things did you did you have to do in order to get this so-called perfect body? Mm. The the food and I read about it so much. Right. And I was almost obsessed with other other people other celebrities who were talking about eating disorders or talking about being skinny at the time. And, you know, it's one of, you know, again, obsessions with models like Kate Moss famously said, nothing tastes as good as being skinny feels, you know, and it's like, yes, that's what I want to be. And, um, and so you start learning tricks of the trade as such, right. And, 
ways in terms of avoiding foods. So how to deal with hunger. You know, you you brush your teeth your teeth instead of eating something. You um, you stock up like you literally you fill up on other foods. You avoid carbs. Carbs were always the enemy back then. You know, you. Um, tell people that you're already full, you know, that you've eaten breakfast, you've eaten lunch or whatever. Like there's, there's all these, and that's mild compared to some of the things that I've heard young people doing nowadays. Um, eating eating cotton wool, you know, eating wet balls of cotton wool so that they, they expand in your stomach. Um, I remember my attention being drawn to something about these different challenges right, that predominantly young girls were doing on TikTok and other pieces of social media to prove how skinny they were. Being able to wrap your headphones around your waist, being able to sliver through, you know, a supermarket um, turnstile thing without it moving, all of these things. And there's, unfortunately now, with social media, there's even more of these, dare I say it, you know, ways of, ways of staying skinny. So you learn them and you like a skill, you do your best to perfect it. And I say that in air quotes because, of course, you know, perfection plays a huge role in all of this as well. Linda, what was your lowest point? Oh, gosh. Sorry. Um, You know, so knowing that I started this at 11 or 12 and made the decision to get skinny, I was, I was 21 and I had come back from months of traveling uh, with a boyfriend I was going out with at the time. And Kiran, honestly, I was delighted with myself because I knew I'd come back from that trip thinner. And people had commented on it. And I was so proud of that because for me, that was like measures of my success. Like I'm finally getting this right. Well done, Linda. People, more people are commenting on your size. You know, people are saying that you're, you're too skinny and this kind of thing. And I'm like, oh gosh, this is, I mean, I hear myself say it now and I know how it sounds like now. And so the lowest point was when, um, you know, I, I had a fight with my sister um, who took very much like a tough love approach. Um, and my mom, my mom said to me that she was really worried about me. And I said to her, I didn't know. I said, I'm worried about myself now because I, I don't know what to do. Because she had said, oh, you know, you went for lunch with the girls. And, you know, what did you have? And I said, oh, you know, I had soup. And she said, did you have anything else to eat? And I said, no, you know, I wasn't hungry. And she said, I'm, I'm worried now, Linda. I said, yeah, I said, I'm worried too, Mum, but I don't know what to do. She said, well, how about we try and find someone who does know what to do? And, you know, a, a couple of... That was over Christmas time. And I remember um, a couple of months later, I started seeing, it, it went on, it went kind of, you know, on for another couple of months. And then eventually I was like, yeah, I've, I've got to, 
I've got to do something. I don't have a good quality of life. I had started my teaching diploma in Dublin as well at the time. And I heard some of the students that I used to teach, like I heard them saying something in the corridor one day. And that was, that just broke my heart. You know, I always wanted to be, as a teacher, you want to be a role model for young people as well. And kind of the, a wake up call that maybe what I'm doing isn't, isn't great. Like, you know, my relationships were falling apart all around me, Kieran. And I kept thinking it was, it was other people and common thread with me. Well, I must comment you, Linda, on, um, on that realization and also a massive shout out to your mum. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, um, because not everybody is lucky enough to have that support. No, definitely you know, not. So, um, no. It, it just shows that, you know, we all need, we, we all need people around us. Yeah. to to sometimes lead us to where we don't want to go or where we know we need to go, but we're just not ready. Mm. And we just need that kick up the backside sometimes. So so tell us more about um, the journey to, to, to getting better and to feeling better about yourself. So here's where self-compassion and body compassion plays such an important role, Kieran. right? You know, it's the... I spent so long trying to get this thing, right? So yes, trying to be skinny, but under that, as I described earlier, trying to feel beautiful, trying to feel pretty, trying to feel happy with myself and how I looked. And the, the irony is that no matter how many times I stood on that scale, and that was every day, three times, four times a day, whatever, no matter how many times I stood on that scale, and no matter how many times I saw that number decrease and decrease and decrease and sometimes go up and whatever else it did. I, w I wasn't happy. And it got to a stage where I was like, hang on, you know, again, so here's where my rational brain kicks in. It's like, hang on, maybe this isn't the way to do it. You know, after what years of practicing, maybe this isn't actually the way to do it. Or looking for other people to make me happy as well. You know, looking for other relationships, be it with, you know, my my girlfriends, my friends at school, my friends at college or, uh, you know, boys that I went out with at, at the time. And I was like, again, the common thread was me in all of this. And so a huge part of my recovery was and maybe potentially even like I know I'm a work in progress in terms of loving myself and the body compassion piece is learning to look at ourselves and just thinking, my gosh, isn't my body absolutely amazing? Look at what it can do. And another part of this irony is that I know lots of people who will start exercising, they'll start running to lose weight. And I didn't do it. I didn't start running. You know, I started my running journey, what, maybe, you know, 12 years ago, because I made the decision at that time, right, I'm going to give up smoking. So I'm going to, I'm going to look after myself better. I'm going to give up smoking. I am going to start this running crack that people around me are up to. I'm going to give that a go. And I'm going to become stronger. That's what I'm out to do. I'm going to get myself, you know, so yes, and it's still, I'm not going to lie and say it wasn't a part of, you know, having a particular body that looks away. But I was like, instead of looking like Kate Moss, gosh, I want to look like one of these, I want to look like one of these track athletes, right? One of these women who is strong, who just goes out and smashes her sport and is so strong mentally, physically, emotionally. That's what I wanted to do. 
that's who I wanted to be. And I hear it in the way that I talk about it. You know, there is such a different, there's such a different mindset behind it. There's a different way of showing up in that space as well. And that's a huge part of that journey, right? Learning to, and my running, my sport, you know, I, I used to, I have always been an equestrian when I was younger. And so that my sport has always been important to me, but it became more important because I was looking for, I was looking for something different. I was looking for like this deeper level of contentment and respect for myself and all of this as well. Fantastic, Linda. So I'm assuming you, uh, you had two amazing role models in Sonia Sullivan and Katrina McKernan as you were growing up in Ireland. You know what? And it's funny that you say that because at the time, like, so when these women were really pivotal on our TV screens, I would look at them and I would think, that's mad. How are they doing all that running? That's crazy. However, I looked at female show jumpers, female, um, female dressage riders, you know, um, Irish three-day eventers. And I was like, wow, that is incredible. Like, because that's what, at the time when I'm 14 or 15 years of age, that's what's my life, right? You know, I, this is what I thought I wanted to do in my life. I wanted to represent my country. I wanted to be a professional show jumper. I, you know, I applied for the army equitation school. I had dreams of being this Olympic rider and, you know, maybe, maybe those dreams will still come through, Kieran. you know, like who knows, but I know at the moment now it's, um, sorry, go on, go on. No, I was, abs- I was just going to say, absolutely, <laughs> who knows, you know, because you're flying fit, which is wonderful. Thank you. And that's where I wanted to go with the conversation. You know, how is Linda today with her self-compassion? Yeah, and it's it's very different. And again, still a work in progress, right? And this is where um, my marathon training plays a huge role in this as well. So I need to catch myself. Even yesterday, I'm out running. And I ran a half marathon at the weekend, Kieran. And my gosh, talk about learning lessons. Sometimes I just don't learn. I ran this half marathon last December as well. <laughs> I live in New York. So it's three loops at the top of Central Park, which is the Harlem area. And it's known to be the hilliest area of Central Park as well. But what does Linda do? She signs up for it anyways. <laughs> going around. And the first time I do these hills, because it's three loops, and I'm thinking, this is fine. Absolutely fine. And the second time I do them, I'm like, Right, this is a bit harder now. And the third time I do them, I mean, talk about the potty mouth on me. Horrendous, right? But I'm halfway up the first of these hills for the third time. And the pity party sets in, right? And it's like, poor me, this is so hard. Look at everyone around you. Like, that girl's moving quicker. She's obviously finding it easier. Then it's like, hang on a second. You ran a marathon at home in Dublin, I don't know, whatever, like six weeks ago, right? You need to give yourself a break. You overcame anxiety along the way, getting to and from that marathon. You had other stuff going on, like really, and in that, so I catch myself so much quicker now, Kieran. And in those seconds, I'm like, gosh, these legs are amazing. Look at them powering up the hill, you know? And like, and you feel your glutes really like kicking. It's like, I'm actually doing pretty good at this now. And that changes the way that we show up in those moments as well. So when we feel sorry for ourselves or when we're lacking self-compassion, it's so different to when, when we allow the self-compassion to come in, when we allow that body compassion, the realization of, hang on a second, I am pretty amazing in these moments. 
and being amazing can look like different things to different people in different moments of time. And so it's, you know, but being aware of that, what's the story I'm telling myself in this moment right now? Is it one of compassion? Is it one of criticism? What's going to serve me best? Because we can be positively critical, right? We can use that to motivate ourselves. Is this me at my best? It's not really, Linda, come on, get your backside up that hill. Right, grand. And I'm off again, you know, so there's a time and a place for everything. Fantastic, Linda. And it sounds to me that you've got uh, full control over that mind of yours. Well. When it's competing against your body. <laughs> Speaking of strategies and skills, Linda, yes. your two books are full of wonderful little tips. And what I love about your books is that they're simple. Yeah. And because they're simple, we can achieve them. We can do these tasks. You know, it's not like reading a, some kind of instruction manual or, or, or putting together some kind of a, an ingredient to cook something. And it just it just, you know, takes all the these are simple little tips that are achievable. Linda, sticking on self-compassion, what what tips would you give to our listeners out there who may be struggling with this topic? It's a beautiful question, Kiron. Oh, awareness. All of this starts with awareness. And so if we want to be more compassionate with ourselves, we have to be aware of those moments when we're not being compassionate and aware of those moments of when we are compassionate so we can spot the difference. And also then, I think, like I mentioned, knowing the difference between the, the constructive criticism, right? The, the check-ins. So the awareness and the check-ins, I think, is definitely that first step. And checking in with, what do I need now? What part of me do I really need to show up now? So do I need that kick in the backside? Do I need that? Come on now. Or do I need that? Come on now. You're doing, you're doing great. This is you at your best and you need to give yourself a break. One of the other parts of that is, I was so aware in those moments, Kieran, going up that hill, that I was comparing myself to two other ladies racing running either side of me and the story that I told myself in those moments was that they were finding it easier they were doing better than me sure I've got no idea what's going on for these two women either side of me no idea so we catch ourselves again in the comparison trap and we take a realistic view on that because none of us have any idea what's going on for someone else in those moments we might think we do. We actually don't. So catching ourselves and then pulling self-compassion is such a good, such a good step or such a good ladder out of the comparison trap, right? And it's like, come on now, this is me at my best. And knowing that we're, we're all going to make mistakes in this, like we're all human. And that's such a powerful part of of self-compassion anyways like Kristen Dr. Kristen Neff does so much research in this space she's a you know a, a pioneer of self-compassion and it's recognizing this this common humanity that we will all mess up and we will continue to mess up and when we look at it like that it's again it allows you to show up in a very different space and actually I think gives ourselves permission to say yeah totally messed up on that there sorry about that I'll do better next time. And whether that's an apology to ourselves, right, in terms of how we've been treating ourselves and speaking to ourselves, or maybe it's an apology to someone else. 
you know, Kieran, I'm sorry that I, I messed that up and I, I will do better next time. Beautifully put, Linda. Thank Linda, you. tell us uh, briefly about your two books. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, I think you've uh, put them in a beautiful, eloquent nutshell as well, the simplicity of it. And because change, oh, so many of us lean back from change instead of leaning into it because it's scary and it seems like there is so much to do around change as well. Whereas when we break difficult or hard things down into more manageable pieces, it becomes simple. Simple doesn't always mean easy, but, and it's more manageable. So press play and just three things are all about keeping things simple, manageable and doable. Equipping people of all ages with skills, tools and techniques to overcome those challenges confidently and move forward successfully in life in whatever way that looks like to them. Because again, success is subjective, right? It could be getting your backside up the hill. It could be being more compassionate. Maybe it is about representing Ireland in the Olympics. Who knows? Thanks, Linda. And for our listeners out there, where can they get a hold of your book? Um, I'm on Amazon. I'm on Amazon. I'm, <laughs> my books are on Amazon. <laughs> and it's a great time to buy books and give the book, give the gift of books as well. Every time during the year is a great time to give books. So pop over to Amazon. Also visit your local bookstores. I always encourage people to do this as well. So while online book shopping is fantastic, so we're on Amazon and the Dreamwork Collective store, which is based in Dubai in the UAE as well. Go down to your local bookstore, put a request in for books that you want from local booksellers as well, because there might be somebody else in your community, your town, your city, who's also looking for that same book. The bookstore might not know about it and you could be doing, you're spreading, spreading more gifts, right? And just spreading the word. So visit local bookstores, pop online to um, online bookstores as well and grab yourselves a copy of Press Play and Just Three Things. Wonderful. And uh, Linda, where can people find you? Oh, find me. I'm on, I was going to say, I'm on Amazon as well. <laughs> I, physically, I'm in New York. I am online. So pop over to my website, lindabonnerlifecoach.com. Um, send me a message. Visit me on LinkedIn. Email me, linda at lindabonnercoaching.com. Visit me on Instagram. I'm on all the, the social media pieces that you can find. I'm there. And, and just get in touch and share thoughts about body compassion and self-compassion with me if you've got questions get in touch as well i'd love to hear from you linda it was an absolute pleasure having you on tonight thank you so much for expression expressing yourself the way you did and um, we really appreciate it so thank you Kieran. it has been i mean thank you you can all of this is like i said it just doesn't get easier talking about it but i know every time i do here i go again i just hope that it makes it bit easier for someone else to talk about it as well and to show up in a in a better space for them so thank you so that was linda bonnock here and a, a a really really powerful story wasn't it it really was andrew it's an absolute credit to linda for fully expressing her her experience with us and taking us on that journey um clearly it wasn't easy you know and i want to really thank linda for doing that because i know how powerful her story is, and I know it will help so many people. The wonderful thing, Andrew, about Linda is that she's not hiding away from her story. She's told it in her two books. She tells it on podcasts. She's openly expressing her own pains mm, to help definitely. others. And um, and I just think it's she's amazing. So well done to Linda. That bit when she talked about her 
mother saying, I think it's time to get some help. And she goes, but I don't know how to. That really was lump in the throat time, wasn't it? It really was. It was heartbreaking and it was, um, it was a massive shift. You know, it was a massive shift in, in probably Linda's future because that was, that's where it started. And as we like to do in the show, Andrew, you know, we want to give out tips and strategies of, of, of what people can do to support. And, you know, sometimes the best thing is right under our nose. Mm. And it was family. It was mum. It was somebody there to, to help. You know, it was somebody who offered help in the first place before, before, you know, the, the person, before Linda in this particular situation came and asked for it. And that's what we all need to do. We need, we need to be more aware of our friends, our family, our colleagues and offer help sometimes before they have to ask. It was an absolutely fascinating story and it brings us to the end of season three, Kieran. It does, Andrew. Look at again, thank you so much for everybody who contributed um, amazing people, amazing stories, and they really are heroes. You know, these people who are who are telling their own story to support others. It's just an absolute credit to them. So thank you so much, and for you also, Andrew. You know, you are, you are the brains behind all of this. So thank you. Um, everything you're doing is is so amazing. So well done to you, and thank you. I wouldn't go quite that far, but anyway, well, thank you, Kieran. We are going to take a few weeks off, and we will be back in February with some more real people telling their real stories. Take care, Kieran. All the best, folks. Thanks so much. Bye bye.